0: There, and welcome to the Oxano podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading tonight is from Psalm 84. It's going to be on the screen behind me, or you can look with me in your copy of God's Word. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valleys of Bacchah, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, thank you, Sydney, for reading that for us and Y'all, I'm really excited and honored uh, to be able to introduce you guys uh, to Cole Fryer tonight. Um, For those of you that don't know Cole, Cole is one of our college ministry coordinators here at Dawson. And before that, Cole was one of the beta interns uh, that served with us in college ministry and student ministry. And before that, Cole Fryer was one of our students, one of our college students here at Samford. Uh, I remember meeting Cole four years ago over in the FRC, over a donut and a cup of coffee, and then getting to know him as one of our only guys at that point uh, in the college ministry. And, uh, man, the first of many to come. But, Cole, we will hear you gladly. Y'all, he is prayed over, he is prepared for, and he is passionate about the word that he's going to be bringing to you tonight. And so I can't wait for you to hear it. Will you all help me welcome Cole up here to the platform?
2: Hello. Okay, I'm going to open with prayer. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer today. I pray that you um, will speak through me. I pray that the, they will not be my words, but your words, God. Uh, o Lord of Jacob, God of Jacob, you are a fortress in our strength. I pray that you will open the hearts of these students today to receive this message. I pray this in your name, Amen. Okay, so as Blake just graciously introduced me, I am Cole Fryer, one of the college ministry coordinators here, and like he said, I used to be an intern at Dawson. I used to be the college intern, like Austin and Avery and Madeline, but then before that, I used to be a student ministry intern with David, and I worked with a student ministry over in that building over there for a year and a half. And I remember the day that Blake called me to tell me that they were looking for a guy intern. Surprise, I was one of the only ones. <laughs> um, but yeah, he so he called me. I was in the UC, undercalf, university center, whatever you want to call it, and I was stressing about my spring finals. I was a freshman, and I was doing the things that freshmen do and crying over a little bit, little bit of CP, <laughs> cultural perspectives, and... Blake calls me, and I didn't even know he knew my name. But he said, "Hey, Cole, they're looking for a um, student ministry intern over in the um, the student ministry." And I, I was really calm and cool and collected. I was like, "Oh, are they? All right. Well, I'll have to think about it and pray about it. And this seems like a good opportunity, but you know, I'm kind of weighing some options. I don't really know what my semester's going to look like next year." And then I hung up the phone, and I was like, ah, "I'm going to work at." And I'm gonna get to teach people about Jesus, and I'm gonna get to go to church for my job and get paid for it. I was like, oh my gosh! Like, it was it was like the biggest cultural shock of my life. Like, I had never worked in a church before. I don't know anyone in my family that has ever worked at the ch- church before. Like, it was completely something that um, is just so unfamiliar to me. And so, needless to say, I came into the fall semester very eagerly. I remember my first Sunday, I wore like a tie um, and a jacket, (laughs) and I ironed my clothes the night before, and I was so excited. But um, needless to say, I came in with a lot of eagerness. I came in with a lot of expectancy, um, but I don't think I came in with the reverence and the honor that God was due. I was really excited about how the Dawson name tag was going to look on my shoulder rather than um, honoring God and praising God, uh, and so that is why I'm not surprised that one day I'm walking into the sanctuary. I feel really cool. I have my mug. I, I, no travel mug, because I thought that was like kind of like soccer mom-ish, so I wanted like an actual mug with a handle, no top, because I was that cool, and I was walking in, and I was doing my thing, talking to people. Hey, good morning. How are you? Hey, nice to see you. Cole Fryer. I'm on staff, and I'm walking around. Student ministry intern, if you need anything, just let me know. Walking around, and I spill an entire cup of coffee all over the pew. Five minutes before the service started, right where Pastor David sits. That close from his Bible and his sermon notes. (laughs) I don't know if you know who Jan Kinnamar Hart is. She is a wonderful person who works on staff with us here. She is the um, assistant to Pastor David. She's incredible. She didn't really know me very well at that point, and she went like, (laughs) and she's rushing around, and I was like, I'm so sorry, and she's like, oh my gosh, and she's running around, and she's trying to get towels, and she's trying to get tissues to tap it all down, and I look over at my boss at the time, and he was like, And I was like, this is the end. I'm done. I'm done. I I had a great run. It was a great month, I think. I don't know. And I'm done. So um, anyways, I'm not surprised that I made that mistake because I wasn't coming into the house of the Lord to praise him. I was coming in the house of the Lord to praise me. And um, so I'm not surprised that I spilled a entire cup of coffee um, just inches away from Pastor David's sermon notes. Um, But yeah, the worship um, was not directed towards God. Um, It was directed towards myself, and so that's why um, I really wanted to share Psalm 84 with you guys, because the sons of Korah who wrote Psalm 84, they were the ones in the Old Testament who were in charge of the worship for the times of the tabernacle. They were the ones who, like myself, were in charge of the different worship aspects of the church, but not like myself, who was just worried about myself, they were longed for the Lord. They fainted for the Lord. They could not wait to get there. They made pilgrimages to go to the house of the Lord. They wanted to worship God. They wanted to be in God's presence. And so it just really spoke to me. And honestly, this is my second time preaching in a row on the Psalms. And so I, pre- I don't know if you remember, but I preached back in October on Psalm 73, and then this time I'm preaching on Psalm 84. And I was telling Blake on Sunday, it has ministered to me so greatly to have to have meditated on these Psalms through this extended amount of time. And I, if I can just do a little soapbox, a little TED talk for a minute, you, you do not need to skip over the Psalms. It, I don't want you to think that, oh, that it's just poetry, it's just pretty writing, it just sounds good it's, it's, it's an easy way out. I don't need, I need to be reading Leviticus. Like, yes, you do. But also, the, you don't need to be looking over these 150 chapters of the Bible that speak about peace and longing and sorrow and happiness. And just don't overlook them, because I believe that they are a great tool. They're the songbook of the Bible, and I, I think they, they speak volumes. So, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. But, Let's start and see what the sons of Korah have to say to us, starting in verse one. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. So why are the sons of Korah talking like this? Like, why are they saying, oh, I just, how lovely, my soul faints, it longs for the courts of the Lord. I mean, it sounds beautiful, and it's something that we should all do, but like, why are they, why do they have this attitude? And it's because God's presence, it's life-giving, and it's life-saving. So one thing that I really want to highlight tonight is The fact that God's presence, like I just said, is life-giving and life-saving. But if you look at that word, and, in your life, especially in your life right now in college, there's not going to be many things that both feel great, feel awesome, make you feel good, are good for you, and then also are the best thing for you. It's the best possible thing that you could be doing. It's It's life-saving. It's eternally good for you. Playing video games till 3 a.m., it feels great, and it's a lot of fun, but it's not the best thing for you. It's not sustainable. Fried chicken, amen, feels great going in, but it's not the best thing for you. Even water, like you can say, well, what about water, Cole? Water's good for you, and it tastes good if you run a lot. Well, no. If You can drink too much water, but you can never be in the presence of the Lord too much. You can never get too much of God. So one thing that Psalm 84 screams from the rooftops is my soul longs to be with God because no matter how blessed I think I am, He is the utmost blessing. A quote from biblical theologian Jim Hamilton says, Psalm 84 proclaims that the surest path to our personal maximum experience of pleasure is also the best thing that could happen to the world. The presence of God, the bringer of the gospel of Jesus, is the only thing that is both eternally life-giving, meaning it feels amazing, and life-saving, meaning it's the best thing for you. It's the best possible thing for you. Let's look at verse 3. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow A nest for herself. Where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So one thing I found very interesting when studying this, I had read it like I got my good extra spiritual version, ESV Bible, reading it a lot. You know, that's what we use in the pews, that's what I use, and we're just I'm going along with it. And then I pick up my CSB which I just think is fun to read sometimes, the Christian Standard Bible. And I'm reading it one morning and it says, happy are those who dwell in your house. And I'm like, hmm. that is so cool to think about that those, the people who put together the Christian Standard Bible saw it fit to replace blessed with happy. And that just would like personally ministered to me because it's like, wow, like the spiritual joy that is illuminated through these words, is so evident. And it's like, it's so good for our hearts. I think we need to remember that, is that happy, not just blessed, but happy are those who dwell in your house. And I know, like, and this is something I struggled with while reading this psalm, is that there's going to be a lot of illusions. There's going to be a lot of analogies. All of our English people can just you know, they can annotate this to death and it would be a great exercise. But we're talking about sparrows here. We're talking about swallows. We're talking about, you know, here here in a minute we're going to be talking about pilgrims. We're going to be talking about doorkeepers. But one thing that is common through the whole entire Bible is again, people are longing to be with God. People are longing to commune with God. Even the sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself. So what can this look like, dwelling in God's house, being happy in God's house? Well, I mean, practically it looks like the church. And that's why I think that we don't need to diminish the church. We don't need to um, think of it as something that's just an aspect of our faith. Something We don't need to um, belittle it. Um, you know, our village groups this semester are reading through Acts, and we just time and time again keep seeing the significance of the church, the fellowship of believers coming up, and that's why I'm just so thankful for this group here today. Like, I'm just so thankful that I have brothers and sisters, that we can commune together, we can praise the Lord together, we can hear the preached word together, we can read scripture and pray together, we can exalt the name of Jesus together. And so, That's also something that I really want you to get from this psalm is that it's good to dwell with God. It's the best thing for you, but it also is such a blessing to dwell in God's house. So looking back at Luke, whenever he wrote the book of Acts, and he's talking about the church, it's no surprise that he said that it had peace and was being built up, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like whenever people are praising the Lord and dwelling together under God's house. And it's because God's presence is life giving and it's life saving. So, verse 10 For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Okay, so you are probably very familiar with this passage. Here recently, over the past couple of weeks, I'll you know mention offhandedly that I'm preaching on the 15th, and people at Beeson, people here at Dawson, family members, they'll be like, oh, what are you preaching on? I'm like, I'm preaching on Psalm 84. And they're like, what's that about? And I was like, better is one day in your <laughs> but, And they're like, oh, yeah, this where, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's like one aspect of the whole psalm, but okay, like, at least you know that verse. Um, you probably have seen this cross-stitched on your grandmother's pillow, you know. Uh, it looks really pretty to write in, like, pretty calligraphy. You can post it on your Instagram. Be like, better's one day in your coins." Shane and Shane, little Matt Redman, you know. But regardless of your familiarity with this verse, I don't want you to look over the significance that it's trying to tell you. We cannot forget what a blessing it is to dwell in God's house. And we we as Christians have the ultimate blessing. Jesus is with us, and it says in the Gospel of John, And the Word became flesh and dwelt, or tabernacled, among us. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Just as Old Testament believers went to the tabernacle, as I said, with the sons of Korah, organizing the worship. Just as they went to the tabernacle to praise God and worship God, Jesus tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us that we might receive the ultimate blessing through him. Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. The end. God's presence is life-giving and life-saving. And what makes the psalmist so confident as to say, I would rather be with you, God, for one day than be without you 1,000 days. What makes him so confident as to say that is because God's presence is life-giving and life-saving. Verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So we see here the Valley of Bacchah, also known as weakness, suffering. And then we see the holy city of God. We see Zion. Right here, just while reading these words in Scripture that are breathed out by God, suffering seems far away, And the holy city of the Lord seems so close. And it's such a blessing to read these beautiful words. I mean, they preach themselves. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion, the holy city of God. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. A desolate place of suffering and weakness has become an oasis with the presence of God. It's become a place of life-giving hope and love and peace. And most importantly, strength. So many times throughout our lives, we believe that when we have to muster up large portions of strength, whatever it may be, it needs to come from inside ourselves. So, whether it be a test or grief or anxiety, or I just have to get up really early in the morning and I have a lot of things to do. I, we, whenever we have to muster up a lot of strength, we as humans inherently believe, and I know I believe, or I may be talking for my, just myself, can I get a witness? Um, we think that it needs to come from just inside ourselves. And one example I can think of with a person who was dealing with grief and dealing with having to muster up large portions of strength, but then directed it towards God was C.S. Lewis. So a beloved Christian, C.S. Lewis, he married this woman named Joy Davidman. It was, uh, it's an awesome story story. Um, They were both non-believers at one point, and then they came to Christ, and um, they had a wonderful friendship, and then they got married. And it was this big, long drama saga of romance, and they finally got married. And then four years later, she got cancer and died. And C.S. Lewis is, I mean, he's just dealing with this ultimate grief. He's struggling. He's having a hard time. And I could only guess that he's probably tempted to find to think that he has to find all this strength from within himself. I mean, he's hurting, he's lost, he's tired. But then he writes a grief observed, and this is how he felt. No one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. I'm not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the same yawning. I keep on swallowing. So he's, he's hurting. He's, he's not doing well. But what is so cool is eight years before, he wrote this little book called Mere Christianity. I don't know if you heard of it. It's like the best well known book he's written next to Chronicles Narnia. And he writes a word that addresses just what he's going through. And I can only hope that he took his own advice (laughs) because we're taking his, his advice today. He says in Mere Christianity, to what will you look for help if you will not look to that which is stronger than yourself? When we start trusting in the Lord, he is our strength. We don't have to build it all up and it doesn't have to be, all oh, coal. I'm very strong I'm going to deal with this myself, I'm just going to muscle it up it doesn't have to come within ourselves when we start trusting in God, He is our strength what a blessing it is to find your strength in God what a blessing it is it's no longer us just facing depression, it's no longer us just facing heartache It's no longer us just facing loss, grief, sorrow, sadness, anxiety, stress, hard tests, loss of a family member, cancer, car crash, injuries. It's no longer us just facing that. But the Emmanuel, God with us, is our strength. I mean, this is so cool. We are seeing the practical application of the Emmanuel. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the Emmanuel, God with us, being born. And then we see in Matthew chapter 1, it comes to fruition. And now we, through the Holy Spirit, are able to access the God with us. I mean, that blows my mind. When you look at the beautiful story, seamless story of scripture laid out and we are now able to see that Jesus is able to be our strength. It means all the difference. I hope you look at your Bible differently now. I hope you pick it up and look at it differently that it's not just a moral book of what what to do and what not to do, do's and don'ts, but it is a seamless story of a God who loves you and wants to dwell with you and wants to be your strength. Let's look at verse 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Happy is the one who trusts in you. What a blessing it is to trust in God. This is so cool to see that again, we not only can put our strength in him, but we can trust him. And it's a good thing because he is the only one who is ultimately trustworthy. He is the ultimately, ultimately the only one who is worthy of our trust. And I rest in this. I'm, I find a lot of peace in this because when I lay my head down at night, I rest in the fact that what the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 13, 8 is true. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is not changing. He's the same Lord that was the Emmanuel in Bethlehem. And he's the same Lord that is walking with you today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And this is so cool because we can trust God with our ups and we can trust God with our downs. Because we know at the end of the day, at the end of the day as Christians, we have this mindset that we know that He is our everlasting satisfaction. No, we don't use it as a scapegoat that we're you know, we're like nothing matters, only God in the end. Like, we need to have that attitude, but what we know is we can take heartache and loss, we can take sorrow, we can also take really exciting things, but in the end, we know that He is our everlasting satisfaction. We can work really hard. We can seek to honor him in the things that we do and the conversations that we have and the people we talk to and the classes we take and the things that we work towards. We can seek to honor him in those things, but we can also know that he is eternally our father and that we have to rest in him alone. God's presence is life-giving and life-saving. So, just to give you guys a little story, um, back in September of 2020, my dad and I and my wife Sydney and my cousin, we all went to South Carolina to celebrate another one of my cousin's weddings. And my wife and I were not married yet, so separate rooms. So my wife was in... um, one room with my cousin, and I was in the other room with my dad. And my dad, um, one thing you need to know about him is he has these, he just has a horrible past with health. He just um, has really never been fully healthy. Um, And just, it's this perfect storm. It's so weird. It's all these different things in his life that have happened with his health all lead up to these things called bowel obstructions that happen like um, periodically, so he's had probably like five or six within the past three years, and they're horrible. I mean, they're, I mean, they're awful. <laughs> they every time they happen, he passes bad because he knows that he's going to have to stay in the hospital for three days at the time, at, at, at in the minimum, and they stick this tube down his throat, and it's awful, and he's developed this horrible fear of the tube, and he cries, and I, I hate to see a grown man cry. My dad played professional football, and when you watch a guy like that cry. It, I mean, it is horrible, and he, he felt it coming on. It was like 10 o'clock, and he felt it coming on, and I was like, Dad, and he was like, nope, nope, we're not doing it. We're, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm sorry, because another thing you need to know about my dad is he does not like to be away from my mom, and my mom was in Florida, and so he's like, I'm not about to check into some random South Carolina hospital without your mom and be there, stuck there for three days. No, because it was also the height of COVID too. So it was weird with visitors and stuff. And my dad was like, not gonna happen. So I was like, okay. So I go to bed and I'm awakened to the sound of what sounds like, like it's like only the voice of nightmares. I I can't even try to reenact it for you. My dad is screaming and I finally like make him like get in the car. I throw my keys to Sydney and I'm like, I don't know when I'll see you again. And I get in the car and I drive his truck to the nearest hospital in South Carolina. And we check into the ER and I'm sitting with my dad and all you medical professionals out there, future medical professionals, nurses, doctors, I mean, praise be to y'all. Cause I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Y'all good. Good on y'all. I'm glad there's people out there like that, but um, I honestly felt like I was, I was in a horror movie. It, it was it was horrible. It, it was it was dark, and it was, it was this hospital was dirty, and it was and I couldn't I couldn't find anybody to help me, and my dad was screaming, and he was like, "Give me some pain medicine." And I was like, "Pain medicine, pain medicine," and I couldn't <laughs> and I couldn't find a nurse and they were like, only a doctor can prescribe pain medicine. I was like, well, where is the doctor? And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, "Ah." and it was, it was horrible. And I know I'm making light of it right now, but it was honestly one of the worst times of my my life. It was, it was awful. It, it, my dad was screaming and I, he's always the one that took care of me. And I, I have this, you know, very big, large man who is, hurting and I don't know how to help him and I've never felt more hopeless and I've never felt more helpless and I've it was dark in there and I have never felt more cold and I was by myself he wasn't even supposed to have a visitor he was like no one was even supposed to walk in with him to the ER because they weren't allowing extra people in the hospital but I snuck in and so I couldn't even call Sydney to come and sit next to me my mom's giving me all these directions on the phone of what to tell the doctors, and I, it—I I don't even like—it feels like a fever dream. It was just a horrible time, and I look back at that time and I shudder. But I also look back at that time with hope, because I know that the heavenly city of God, when I get to commune with Him forever is going to feel the exact opposite of that. Everything that I was feeling in that hospital, I'm going to feel the exact opposite with God in heaven. And it's, it's just good to know that even the good things of this world are a mere shadow, a dim light of the glory to come with God. And also, that the bad things of this world will be no longer in actuality in heaven. So, why shouldn't we adopt the teachings of this psalm? Like, why, why shouldn't we go and like just jump on in and start accepting the attitude that the sons of Korah have for wanting to dwell in the presence of God? We can know the true blessings of dwelling in the house of God ever praising his name, putting our strength in him because we are weak and he is strong and trusting in him because he is the only one who is ultimately trustworthy. God's presence is life-giving and life-saving. And our God is also the forever God. He's the eternal God. It's not that you know this. This thousand years we get this God, and the next thousand years we get another God. And you know, it, it. This is the ultimate God, the Yahweh, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who put your breath in your lungs this morning, the one who woke you up. Same one. Put the leaves on the trees. And who is in you today. He is forever. And it's just some things we need to remember about what Scripture says about God. Some things that I hope you remember and I urge you to remember whenever you go through times of darkness. Is that our God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Our God is peace. And our God is comfort. And again, we are to praise him and not us. Because we are selfish. We are inherently selfish. It's just within our genetic makeup. We have selfishness embedded in us. We want a place for ourselves. We don't want to dwell in God's house. We want to dwell in our house. We want strength and we can possess. We don't want God's strength. We want our strength. We want to trust in ourselves. Most of us, I mean, including me, probably think sometimes, like, I'm the most trustworthy person I know. No, God is. Because the true blessing, true blessedness, comes from the one and only God who knit you together in your mother's womb and who abides in all of us. 1 John 4:15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. This is so cool. This is such a cool truth. This is such an important truth. It's something we need to remember, we need to hold on to, we need to meditate on, we need to trust in. is that He abides in us when we put our trust in Him, when we want to dwell with Him, when we put our strength in Him. And so I urge you today to accept in the gospel of Jesus, in the life-saving, life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all owed death by our sinful nature, but praise God, that he saw it fit to send down his son to live a sinless life, to be put on a cross, that cursed tree, be tortured, be crucified, be buried, and then ultimately rose and ascended into heaven at the right hand of God. I'm thankful for this truth and I urge you today to accept it because it is life giving and life saving. This world is too hard without Him. We can't do it without Him. We can't go through all this world has to offer without Him. We can't go through all of the stress and the anxiety without Him. This world is evil. It is corrupt. It's full of sin and disappointment and sadness. And if we trust in the world, we're going to be disappointed time and time again. And I'm sure we all have been multiple times. We cannot do it without God. We won't make it. It's a, tru- it's a simple truth. We just c- will not make it without the life-saving work of Jesus Christ. We are to abide in him, the ultimate anointed one. Who is ultimately life-giving and life-saving. In a minute, we're going to be singing a song, We Will Feast in the House of Zion by Sandra McCracken. And we've already been talking about the holy city of Zion. Where there will be no more sadness and no more strife and only happiness and love, communing with the only God who knows you and made you. In a section of the song near the end, I'm not musical, so I'm just going to say that. Um, there she says, she urges the Lord to bring shalom. And if you don't know what that word means, it means peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. So, this God of Jacob, he will we, we need to all believe and lean into the fact that he will bring shalom. In the presence of him, we will experience that spiritual and eternal peace that only he can provide and that these sons of Korah long for us to lean into because they long for the courts of the Lord. And one day, through the life-saving power of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the only one who has lived a sinless life and paid the penalty of sin for us. He, through believing in him, we will feast in the house of Zion and weep no more. Dear God, we love you. We praise you, and we are ultimately so humbled to know you. You are a God of strength. You are a God of trust. You are a God with life-giving and life-saving capabilities. You are a God who is loving. God, you are a good, good father. We are grateful to be your children. We know that you are a God who brings shalom, that peace that transcends all understanding. God, today there are people here that are hurting. There are people here that are suffering. There are people here that are anxious, depressed. We pray today that you open their hearts to receive Your love, and that they will accept this life saving gospel of your one and only Son. God, we praise you, and we ask today that you will walk before us, showing us your love. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Oxano Podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.